Hey, it's Kevin O'Connor. Before we get to today's episode of The Mismatch, I wanted you to hear the trailer for The Ringer's new podcast. It's called The Cam Chronicles. It's about Cam Newton, NFL quarterback, and it's hosted by our staff writer, Tyler Ricky Tynes. Here's a clip. From The Ringer, I'm Tyler R. Tynes. When I spoke to NFL star Cam Newton in January, his mindset was clear. I want my whole career to be in Charlotte. Cam won't be getting that wish. He was released by the Carolina Panthers in March. Cam is a complex figure, and my interest in him goes far beyond his exuberant smile and transcendent style of play. Cam broke the glass ceiling in American athletics, ascending to a place in the sport that few black quarterbacks have ever reached, making his fall that much more dramatic. Over the past year, I've traveled the country speaking to coaches and teammates, friends and family, reporters, and even briefly to the man himself, trying to unravel the enigma that is Cam Newton. I uncover contradictions at every turn. How can the hardest worker on the team be depicted as a bad leader? And how can a franchise icon with the NFL MVP and Super Bowl appearance on his resume be so abruptly cast aside? The Ringer NFL Show presents The Cam Chronicles. The series premieres Monday, July 13th. Show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Coaster, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Restart, Kevin! <laughs> What's going on this Friday, Chris? The star of Restart. Now, don't get a big head on me. Okay, I, I, I won't. I won't. Did you watch the Wizards video this week? Did of you like it I more than this? Oh, thank you. All 20 minutes? Watched, of course I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? You're my co-host. I mean, who doesn't want to hear about the Wizards for 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so like, <laughs> I, th- I think, <laughs> let me explain myself. <laughs> I, I feel like the Wizards video, the reason why I liked it this week, and by the way, go check out the Wizards video the, that we did this week. It's really about Bradley Beal more than anybody yeah. on the Ringer's YouTube channel um, this week. I feel like Bradley Beal, it's about all everybody because everybody's watching the Wizards right now, e- even though Beal's not there because they're either going to be that next team, like we talked about earlier in the week, that's contending or blowing it up. And they're at the crossroads more than maybe any team in the NBA. So I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to you that I, I'm going to prove to you that I watched this video. Because okay. you know what surprised me? Because I don't, I don't keep up with all the quotes that are coming out of these things. And so people have to take deep dives. So you find out. The thing that surprised me is, and I know everybody is always very positive about their players, but I was a little persuaded by the Tommy Shepard quotes about oh, John yeah. Wall. I really no was. Kidding. like Because would you throw yourself out there? Like, wouldn't you kind of ride the fence? Like, we're hopeful that he can get back to what he was. Yes. But instead... He was pretty confident that John Wall can be awesome again. And Tommy is a straight shooter. Yeah. And and Scott Brooks, I didn't have a, the quote in that story, um, but Scott Brooks himself also pretty much just said, like, Wall looks amazing. I have confidence he's going to come back better than he ever was before. And it's like, damn, like they wouldn't just be saying this right. <laughs> unless they, they really would. felt it. Like he might not. John Wall might come back and not be the same guy, but they feel like he will be. And it's just hard not to look at that situation and think this is a team that this next coming year, assuming we have basketball next year, let's hope we do. um, They're going to be one of the teams to really watch no matter which team you root for in the league, because either your team could be trying to trade for their star Bradley Beal, or they're going to be that team that surprises everybody and becomes really, really, really good. So I'm just interested in them. And and like with the, the bubble and the game restart, you know, coming up soon, they're not going to be that exciting to watch, but some of their young guys, eh, I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on at least. Well, we are about three weeks away now from mm-hmm. it all starting, um, hopefully, and everybody's pretty well touched down in Orlando. And it's been interesting because the stories 
of the past few days since we last spoke have all been about food. <laughs> it's all it's pictures of the food. It's what quarantine life looks like. You've had some players give like a tour of what their hotel room looks like, which has been interesting. Um, you have also you've had, seen you've had J.R. Yeah. Smith show everything and he, and get kicked off of Instagram Live. He's the best. He really is. He is. Did the you best. see that? Did you see the, that that live last night? I, I, I saw the, the of clips it. of him talking, going through the menu, and I was laughing. Oh, yeah. my ass it, off. it was it was incredible. But at the end of it, he's like, "Oh, I just got the text message. I've shown too much. I got to get off." So I don't know if I'm like <laughs> someone from the NBA, or the Lakers that booted him off. But like, I guess when the food, the stack box arrived at their doors you know all the lakers were like standing inside their you know hotel doors kind of like laughing about it so like they weren't next to each other but there was like social distance between them but anyway fact is that somebody wasn't happy with jr smith showing everything behind the scenes (laughs) i'm glad he did though it was great uh one of the guys did an entire tour last night that's up the video's up um ben mclemore yep ben mclemore uh did an entire tour of his the room NBA, and everything. The NBA blanket they gave all the players. That looks so comfortable. I thought I'm it was funny. I would love one. <laughs> yeah, well, they also, looks, they had like a gift bag, right? With like yeah. headphones and stuff like that in it. But I thought it was, I thought it was interesting because a lot of those rooms were like two double beds. And one of the beds was like put up, right? As to make more room uh, within the quarters. Um, I don't know, but like, let's just say, um, I'm trying to think of somebody that would be like, like Joel Embiid can't be in a double bed. Like that can't be, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all these I, hotels I, I, in the different markets, they've got what is equivalent to an NBA floor. There was a story last week or someone posted a photo from a, one of the Disney hotels with beds being shipped in. So oh, okay. I'm, I'm assuming that there were okay. some king size beds brought in in place of the double beds. The double twins, whatever they are in there, yeah. double queen beds. So like, I'm sure like there the, are some. Have you ever seen like an NBA hotel? Like the, they, they, a lot no. of them. Okay, a lot of them that are in, within a vicinity, they'll have one floor, right? That NBA teams typically use. Like for instance, there's a Westin that I've been in, and the Westin, if you go in, the beds are like twelve feet long, and the funniest thing is the shower head is like. 15 feet in the air or something like that. Right. So that the shower would hit them like it would hit a normal person or something. You, I mean, like for me, I walked in there and it was like, I was like, um, Oh, what's the old, uh, honey, I shrunk the kids or something. Like I just felt, I felt like a child. Walking it was like I was five years old. I'm like, look at the size of this bed. I'm like looking up at the shower head. All the way at the top is hysterical. It's like a waterfall uh, wanna, on you. I, I, I want to check that out now. I mean, I get yeah. get me on the NBA floor. Yeah, <laughs> if you, uh, you could probably request, certainly in the off season, I, I, tell all our listeners whenever they just find out whatever floor they typically reserve for NBA in the off season, and you could you could be there because the, <laughs> the beds are huge and the shower heads are like on on the ceiling. It's hysterical. <laughs> yep. Uh, so we've got the food thing, everything. We have not heard, at least that I know of. And I'm sure there's some, I haven't seen any complaints. Cause you know, the first person that like really Except complained Rondo. just Rondo. Oh, did. R- Rondo said he it. called it a, a motel six, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. which I mean, like, there's really? no way. Yeah. It's, it's better than a motel six. Let's be serious here. I think the tone, I think the tone players take matters here for the most part. Like besides that, and like the, some of the pictures of the food, <laughs> which kind of speaks for itself, at least from Troy Daniels, everything else since then, Troy Daniels posted the first photo when it looked like airplane food or airport yes. food and everything since then has looked pretty good. Uh, but as Joel and B did say, he's like, I'm going to lose weight if this is all I eat. I think after the core, the, after the quarantine period, that's when the chefs start cooking food, they get full meals, they can order what they want. It's just for like the 36 to 48 hours that they're in their hotel to, in their hotel rooms by themselves that the food's being brought to them and they don't have a choice. It's, it's just catered from the, the team nutritionist that puts the menu together. Well, and I saw the list of, you know, uh, they're all like Tillman Fertitta restaurants, but 
It's a bunch of good restaurants on the well, list. It, to be clear, I, you know, Haley O'Shaughnessy from The Ringer reported last night, though, that the NBA does have partnerships with many black-owned restaurants mm-hmm. that just hasn't been announced yet. Gotcha. Um, so a lot of them are Tillman Fertitta restaurants, um, but there will be far more restaurants to come. So uh, good on Haley uh, getting the scoop on that. Yeah. But the ones that were announced, I mean, look, if you could if you could order Morton Steakhouse you know, for your oh, yeah. dinner, yeah. It ain't a Motel yeah. Six. <laughs> right, it's not a Motel Six. Ain't nobody eating Morton's in a Motel Six. <laughs> but but with Rondo though, like you never know if Rondo's being serious or sarcastic. You right. never know. Yeah, never. Right. I mean, it's isn't, just he his the personality. One, isn't he the one that jumped on you? Well, I, he didn't. Yeah. So we were in the locker room. I, I've told the story once before, but like we were in the locker room. It was a Celtics Lakers game, and this was like five years ago, maybe. And he turns to me and <laughs> he goes, you've been saying shit about me. <laughs> and I'm like, no, <laughs> oh, no. he's like, oh, you're no. that Lakers. You're, the, you're that Lakers reporter. Right. And I'm like, no, I cover the Celtics beat. He's like, no, 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 no. You're that Lakers reporter. That's been saying shit about me. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a Celtics reporter. <laughs> and, and, and then he just kind of turned away after that, kind of glared at me. And, uh, that's it. That's all that happened. And another time he stared me down in the hallway uh, while we passed. You know, I think he was establishing his dominance as the alpha. I turned did away you, first. Did you feel <laughs> very beta? I, <laughs> I turned away <laughs> first. So I kind of did. Yeah. And <laughs> oh, I, I have told that story. I've told that story to other reporters and they have said that he's done the same thing to them. It's very interesting. <laughs> did you stick? Oh, he just stares at that. So we got to find no, the reporter. We just, we just were we, like, he was walking one way down the hallway. I was right. walking the other. We kind of just locked eyes. And you looked we away. Kept locking eyes. I looked away first. Yeah. And, and I've been told that he's done that to the reporter. So Rondo, fascinating guy, used to be a great point guard. And by the way, did you see oh. the hype this earlier this week about like Rondo looks great at practice? He looks rejuvenated. Oh. I want to see it. Yeah. Let's see it. I used to love Rondo, man. One of my all-time favorite players. Now with Avery Bradley this. sitting out with the restart. That year, that year that he was playing for the Bulls, he was giving the Celtics a problem before he got hurt in that series. Playoff Rondo is a real thing. No, you remember, he showed up in that Pelican series and was awesome. And it was like, it's this is real. Like, this dude turns it up. I'm telling you. Like, I, I, I brought this up on Russillo's pod yesterday. You want to see it. I'm not buying it until I see it because Rondo was not good this season. Right. Especially in the defensive end of the floor. But the fact is, this playoff Rondo's real. <laughs> and so, like, if the Lakers can get that, it further will bolst what they are already because you're replacing Bradley, who is a good perimeter defender against smaller guards. You could use him against Damian Lillard. You could use him against John Morant. But if Rondo can turn it up on defense and be active, you know, facilitating the ball on offense, that's a positive player for you. The defense well, is the key part for him. Yeah, well, and they really need it because Bradley's not going. For sure. Right? So, I mean, Rondo's big enough that you can throw him on two guards if he can play great defense, which this guy, he is one of those that he does get the benefit of the doubt where it's like, oh, he's dicking around during the regular season. You feel like he dicked around during the regular season when you see him in the playoffs because he cranks it up. Mm-hmm. He's a different guy. He plays differently. You know, and so if he is, if he is playoff Rondo, if he still got that in him, that that's a whole nother problem that For the sure. Lakers could possibly present. Um, the other thing that came out this week is the Nets having to put a get together a roster, and so oh you God, saw we we, we had discussed last week about different guys for their team not going. Of course, updating that Spencer Dinwiddie we found out this week is not going to be going, and so look. This could certainly be the Karis LeVert show. Um, I read the other day that when he had been in the lineup without the other guys, without Dinwiddie and without Kyrie, he'd averaged something like 32 points a game. So it obviously becomes he's treated as the best guy on the team um, when those guys aren't there and gets more shots when those guys aren't there. They added some fun names. I will say this. You know, like, look, we, we just kind of discounted, like, oh, great. Now, you know, the Wizards don't have anybody there, and the Nets are going to be down a bunch of guys. No Dinwiddie, no De- DeAndre, no Kyrie, no Durant, no Wilson Chandler. So if you're going to throw together guys that are, like, you know, available, at least 
the whole Jamal Crawford, Michael Beasley <laughs> thing is fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I kind of root for the fun of it. And yeah. imagine if they can hold on, which you you think they got a good chance of holding on to their playoff spot. That'd be like, that actually makes it a lot more fun to watch. If Jamal Crawford and Michael Beasley are playing, they're the bubble nets. And I'm excited yes. to watch them all of a sudden. I, I I'm changing what I said on Tuesday about not being excited to watch them. I am officially excited to watch the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> Jamal yeah. Crawford, by the way, like he, I mean, everybody for weeks, months, the whole past year has been saying somebody's going to sign Jamal Crawford. 51 points in the last game. He stunk last year for the most part. However, I will <laughs> say this. His last three games were really good. He had yeah. like 28 points, 26 points and 51 points. When he actually had, you know, 25 plus minutes in each of those games, he was really good. So, like, hopefully for Jamal Crawford, he's better than he was over the first 50 or so games he played last year, which were not good with Phoenix. I'm rooting for him to continue on playing well. And then with Beasley, I mean, like, Beasley's a, he's had some good moments throughout his career. I mean, we'll see, like, these guys that have been kind of ca- castaways right now, what they can do. Um, so, you know, th- it'll be fun to watch those nets. Okay, so two things. First, and I think I've uh, I've probably mentioned these before on an episode long ago. First thing, Jamal Crawford. I love Jamal Crawford. And part of the reason I love Jamal Crawford, not only is he insanely fun to watch as a basketball oh, yeah. player, He's right? Awesome. One of the great ball handlers we've ever had in the league. Beyond that, I have been told so many times, and I am personal friends with a couple of different people, when he won sixth man of the year a few years back, he went out of his way. and got the the voters he he found out who voted for him in the for six man of the year and he called every single one of those people personally and thanked them i have never heard that uh, uh, from any player in my life he went out of his way and went and found the phone numbers and i'm talking like team broadcasters and stuff he found the phone numbers of people and called them and thanked them for voting for him for six man to be, he didn't certainly look, you've won the award. You don't have to do that. Right. He just, by all accounts, a great, great guy. And that's just one example. Right. The other thing is Beasley. That's a name that slipped my mind the other day. You remember when we got, was it last Friday that we got the, uh, or I mean, maybe it was last Tuesday where we got the question about underachieving player. He is a great one. Oh yeah. I mean, Michael yeah. Beasley, he came right after Durant in the big 12 and like broke all these records. And Duran had one of the greatest seasons I've ever seen for a college basketball player. Beasley was an absolute monster. And that particular season, if you go back in time all year, he was the number one pick until Rose killed everybody in the NCAA tournament. And then Rose became the number one pick. Um, and Beasley ended up going second, but I mean, Beasley, he just not even close to what his potential was. And it's very fascinating because weird timing in terms of his career, a little, sometimes we say the guy was like uh, before his time, like what would he look like now? There, there are guys now, like we saw, there's a great example of like, we watched in real time within three years time, Greg Monroe go from the most touted free agent and everybody wanted him to the game has just passed him by. Right. Like this Roy Hibbert went, being another guy too. Yeah. This just went the whole, the whole league went the wrong direction on him. It's the reverse with Beasley, right? Small ball with a guy like that can, can rebound like he can, and it can face up like he can. And it, I mean, it was honestly, the tweener went from being a, a pejorative to what you want. That's the way basketball is. And you know, he just, he never got it together, right? He never got it together. He was drafted in what you would think would be a, a positive spot to have success with the Miami Heat, with a good culture and all that stuff. So there's not, there's not much to blame. It's not like he got drafted by some rat team that misused him. It was just, you know, but I mean, look, he's still kicking around and he's, we're going to see him playing in the bubble. Michael Beasley, of all people. It's going to be fun to watch those uh, Brooklyn Nets until they get blown out in the first round, either by Toronto or, or the Celtics. Yeah, I may, I, I, <laughs> Or I Milwaukee may, if they fall to the eight. That's right. I may have said this before. Fisdale told this story one day at practice, David Fisdale. Um, he said that they drafted him at Miami and they 
went to the gym for the workouts. This is at Summer League. They went to the gym for the workouts, and Beasley's not there. And like the workouts at like 10. And they're like, where is he? And they call and they call the case. Somebody has to go to the hotel, knock on the door, get him up and get him over there, right? They show up at the gym. Westbrook's been there for two hours and is drenched from head to toe yeah, by himself. And they were like, oh, crap. Like, you know what I mean? It was one of those moments <laughs> where it's like, we just had to wake our guy up. And the guy that was taken fourth, he's soaked to the brim. And he's been here since six in the morning, like working out, right? And it's sometimes even those moments very early, you kind of you kind of oh, yeah. see like the difference between the guys. For sure. Speaking yep. about Westbrook, him and James Harden and Luke uh, Bamute and uh, Rockets assistant coach John Lucas, none of them traveled with the team to Orlando yesterday. Yeah, Interesting. I, and and it, you know what? I'll at least say they didn't. I hope to God nothing's wrong with Kawhi and the family and whatever. But I did when I saw the story, I did find it insanely coincidental, right? The day that you fly out. I think a lot of these guys saw that food and were like, eh, wait a couple of days before yeah. we get there. I hope that nothing's wrong, uh, seriously wrong. But yeah, I mean, hell, we have been off, you know, for so long. And now they're all flying out. And a couple of these guys, they're gonna show up just a little bit later. Yeah, right. I mean, it, hopefully it's that. And the least amount not, of time you have to be there, the better, I would think. Well, well hopefully it's that. And hope, hopefully it's that. Yeah. And hopefully it's not a positive coronavirus Absolutely. test. Oh, that's for sure. Right. You never know. No, you never, you never know. know. I mean, we haven't gotten the update this week yet about um, the number you know, of players that tested positive in the last week, or we don't know if any have tested positive. And really, like this, this next week or so is pivotal. It's pivotal here that because of how long coronavirus can stay incubated inside you and not be revealed as positive on a test, this is the time period here where like some, somebody could slip through. So hopefully that doesn't happen. I do want to ask you about this. There's very good reporting from uh, Brian Winhorst and Tim Bontemps oh, that came out. And it article. was about putting together next season. And one of the topics that they brought up, and I would encourage everybody to check that out because it's very good. Um, Really great article. What does the NBA do next season? And I thought it was fascinating because they obviously came to a conclusion and came together, the Players Association and the league, on how to pull the rest of this off. And now they're thinking about next year. And one of the things that seems likely that they might do is to go to the idea of cap smoothing, which is what the league wanted to do the first time around in 2016 when there was a massive jump in the salary cap. And so the idea would be that instead of a steep drop where they're just cutting the money back, that it would be artificial. They keep the cap artificially high for this upcoming season, current, uh, potentially around the current one, uh, 109 million uh, to achieve the needed 50, 50 split for every player taking an equal percentage pay cut. Currently, 10% of player salaries are held in escrow during the season to balance any discrepancy. Now, that being said, not only in these last couple seasons, but players have recouped that entire escrow and they've gotten upwards of $300,000 more paid back um, at the end of the season because of revenues for the league being up. And so what they're saying is maybe what they do is they increase that escrow amount perhaps to 20% for one season. And then they do the, the after artificially uh, inflating the cap, that then they smooth it out afterwards and they try to figure it out rather than, you know, screw the teams that are, you know, screw free agents, right, that are up for it right now. Maybe even screw a guy like Anthony Davis that could sign a deal that starts at $32 million a year. Or, or anybody in the rookie class, too. Right. And because I think the salary caps for the rookies are determined based off uh, right. the, the salaries for rookies are determined based off the salary cap itself. So they'd get screwed for years. This actually sounds, though, extremely likely to me, doesn't it? Because we've talked yeah. about how hard it would be to make the cap really low next year. Because something that's not how you plan, right? And and Adam Silver said this at the very beginning: our collective bargaining agreement was not built to deal with a global pandemic. Yep. And so now it's figured out. And I think the idea of for next season, making that cap artificially high. I mean, the, look, these owners all know nobody's going to operate in the black next year. They're just not. 
And so what do we do for the one season? And this seems, it seems like that could be a thing where people could agree to it and it wouldn't be a huge fight. And the reason that that's important is because we see, we just saw another professional sport fight, 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 fight until they finally, you know, the, the commissioner has to say, okay, we're playing 70 games or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's the type of thing where like, this has been for really the past six weeks or so, just kind of floating out there as, as a possibility. Um, and it does seem like, you know, Windhorse and Bond times with their reporting, uh, suggest that this is something that's getting more traction. And, and to me, this is the fairest way of doing it. You know, when you think about guys that already signed their deals, like Ben Simmons and Pascal Siakam, what their deals are based off the percentage of what the cap would be, maybe they wouldn't have signed those deals. So, uh, you know, I think it is the it, it is fair for players to do it this way, and it's fair for teams to do it this way as well. Considering what they would be doing with the you know potential change with the escrow amount with what's withheld, as you just mentioned. Um, so you know, if revenue ended up hitting, you know, beyond what they expect, you know, players wouldn't have to give anything back, or rather, it wouldn't be continued to be withheld from players. Um, but maybe like with TV revenue, maybe fans are allowed back in arenas sooner than expected, right? Then players would get all their money that they signed their contracts for, which I mean, you wouldn't be dealing with the situation like we are right now with money being withheld from players. So hopefully, I mean, that's something that works out. I, I personally, I think it's a no brainer. I mean, if you're telling the number one pick this year, if James Wiseman gets drafted first this year, you're really going to tell James Wiseman your rookie contract is going to be for 4 million because of the cap dropping and that you're the rest of your contract for the next four years. It's going to be with the, small increases each year only because this year's cap is down. I don't think that's entirely fair to any of the players. And the way to do it is to make it artificially high for now and then see how things go over the next year, the next year or two for that matter. I did laugh at the part of the article where it said, and I, they had uh, a rival GM quoted in there. that <laughs> oh, it, yeah. was, it was not lost on everybody that the first time around the cap spiking enabled golden state to get Durant. And then this time around, if they go to the cap smoothing, the team that it probably benefits the most given their salary cap is actually the Golden State Warriors. I mean, that is hysterical. That doing it that way helped them the first time. And now doing it this way could save them the next time, especially because their their luxury tax bill was going to just be an outrage. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then that's the other side of it, right? They got like I 144 mean, like million on the books or something. Oh, is that well? That's what you know. Bon Temps and Windhorse alluded to not just Golden State but Philadelphia as well. These yep. teams that are you know, if the cap were to drop and they have these enormous salaries on the books that would be unchanged, you really screw those teams. So the, keeping the cap artificially high to me is the move. I, I mean, there's a lot to discuss, you know, for players, the players' association, and for the league to negotiate. But to me, that should be the end goal here is keeping it artificially high. I agree with you. All right, Bobby Wagner, what do we got this week in the mailbag? We got some good questions? Yeah, we got some good ones. All right. All right, first one's about this massive Patrick Mahomes contract. This comes from Josh. Patrick Mahomes recently signed a decade-long extension worth over $400 million. And Mike Trout is hopefully about to enter year two of a 12-year contract that is worth over $400 million. Forgetting salary caps and limitations for a second, if decade-long contracts were allowed, which players would warrant them, and how much would they go for? Giannis. Oh, yeah, Giannis. That's the easiest. Giannis, yeah. for yeah. sure. I mean, what is he, 23, 24? 24. 24. I believe. Yeah. Anyone Giannis else? Is, Giannis is the first one, for sure. Um, Zion. Giannis is 25. Half happy 25th Giannis. He turned 25 on December 6th. Yeah. <laughs> Zion. Still, it's a little it, late. It's a little late there, yeah. guys. <laughs> You give a you give a ten day or you give a ten year to Zion, hundred percent. Yeah, Luca. Um, Luca, yes, yep. for sure. How much would they go for? You figure like a max contract now is like all the way up to like forty five, forty six in some of those later years. Now, I don't think. Uh, look, I'm I'm of the hmm. Daryl. Wait for it, Maury. Oh I'm for, my I'm goodness! From the, uh, 
I am for this. I'm from his school of thought, which is you cannot overpay the great players. <laughs> yeah. You overpay the yeah. mediocre and the crappy. You're not overpaying when you've got a great player. And yeah. so whatever the number is to max, that's what I give those guys. If, if, that, if that's the question, right? Who would I give 10 years and the maximum amount I could? I would give it to, I, I, I would certainly, I think I'd give it to Ben Simmons too. I do. I think I would give it to Jason Tatum for sure. Tatum. Yeah. Um, open it- market, open market, no salary cap. A- NBA suddenly becomes baseball. How much does Giannis get? He, he signs the next contract. Oh, what's what's the deal? A billion. How much annually? A billion. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> I mean, it could be too. <laughs> I don't know. What the, I, don't, what, yeah. I mean, Mahomes just got half a billion. So, yeah. I mean, I this guy's playing. Insane, yeah. I mean, of this last draft class, obviously Williamson and Morant, I would give both of them 10-year deals. I've seen enough that I would give both of mm-hmm. them 10-year deals. Of the guys that are young in the league, Tatum, Giannis, I mean, look, inevitably we're going to forget somebody. Luca, people are going to say, what about, what about, but I mean, these are the ones that... There's a, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot. there's a lot of good players in the league right now. And by the way, I wonder if the NBA will ever bring that back, those seven-year deals. Will the Players Association ever fight for that to come back? And I do wonder, you know, with everything changing right now due to the pandemic, when you think about the next CBA, if whenever they actually fully renegotiate the CBA, whether it gets ripped up this year or whether it's in 2024 when the current one is up, will the players and the league at that point decide we need to future-proof our CBA in the event of another pandemic? And no, what I'm getting at is, is have deals be a percentage of the salary cap rather than be set money amounts. So a that guy, may be a, so. But, but you know, I wonder, if, I wonder if that could happen. I wonder if some players will want the option of having longer deals too, because the well, problem with the problem with the long deals in the past is by that fifth, sixth, seventh year, either the team's getting screwed because the guy sucks at that point, or a player is getting screwed because his deal is worth so much less than it would have been had the deal been based off percentage of the salary cap. So I just wonder well, if maybe players might want that at some point. I here's what I would say: the the big reason that you you're fine with the contract length and we won't have that in the NBA again is because they're guaranteed. That's it. Mm-hmm. Football's exactly. not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Look, but Alex Smith just got injured right after he signed a big deal and then he's gone. And who knows if we're going to see him as an NFL quarterback again. I mean, look, we hope Mahomes makes all of that, you know, 455 million and we're getting to watch him play football for the next 10 years there's a really good chance he doesn't see a huge portion of that oh, yeah. money. That's the difference. In the NBA, you sign for $120 million, guess what? You get $120 million, hell or high water. Tobias Harris is going to get $180 million, whether he sucks or not. You know what I mean? Whether he makes an all-star team or not. Whereas NFL players, you know, you could uh, keep in mind, Cam Newton's playing for pennies this year. This guy once signed the biggest contract in NFL history, did Cam Newton. And so you don't get to, like, that's the, I would much rather have the guarantee, much rather have the oh, guarantee sure. than years and possibly more money like Mahomes has. Because the chances even Mahomes collects that entire $455 million is so low, so low. And and with Mahomes, you know the deals obviously can can go up to five hundred and six million dollars. But up front, like today, only sixty three million. Only only sixty three million. Oh, only right. sixty three million. Who am I, Warren Buffett? Yeah, uh, uh, Mahomes. It's like it, it, even the hundred forty one million in guarantees is over the full twelve years. Yeah, yeah but right now today it's only six, only sixty three. Uh, but, but like NBA and NFL and MLB, like it's amazing how drastically different the salary structures are in each individual league. And you know, for NFL, in, in some ways, I kind of understand considering you know how quickly players flame out a lot of the time because of the increased injury risk because of the nature of well, you know the NFL, and- you know, football being you know more violent sport with more collisions and everything like that but it's like it sucks that it is that way it you know, is fascinating you sign, a, you sign a deal it should be guaranteed but it's just it's, it's a complicated issue it's a, it's fascinating how different they all are and bobby you're a big baseball guy yeah. you know this i mean they just they just crap on their young players it's awful it's awful the way baseball works 
Chris Bryant makes sure. 600 grand. He's a freaking MVP. You know, it's crazy. It's insane. Like you don't get money until you're in many cases, not worth the money you're going to get. I mean, I'm a yep. Cardinals fan. Albert Pujols got a hundred bazillion dollars from the angels. Like after all of his prime years, you know I mean, like it's crazy the way it works. And like he had so many years where he's getting paid less than a million bucks and he's the best player on the team. And, and owners have started to exploit that in baseball too. So you wonder how that might play out in other sports too. Yeah, They've started right. to they exploit that by not giving the contract, the second contract. They <laughs> so, also, Bobby, they don't bring you up. So they get that extra year. Well, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. I know, but it's just awful. It's awful. What yeah. they, so I, I mean, baseball is just a different deal than the other two anyway. Ultimately, NBA probably, I mean, the NBA does do it better for the players than any other league. Absolutely. You know, I mean, no doubt about it. And, and that's yeah. why, like, when it comes to resuming play here and why a lot of players feel urgency to play is because you don't want to have that CBA ripped up and renegotiated. Well, like, I, I like this isn't like, I don't want to, like, instill fear here. Like, we don't know what the a new CBA would look like if it were renegotiated. But the fact is, is that the owners in the league would have leverage here if a new CBA if the current CBA were terminated oh. and if a new one were renegotiated, if you're renegotiating that during a pandemic, it would be bad news for the players. We don't know how bad. Right. Um, because the players are starting in a good overall place right now. Well, hey, but Kevin, I would worry if that were to happen, how the ripple effects it would have over the next, you know, however many years. And to your point of all the leagues, guess whose league has the best relationship between the league and the players association. I mean, that's not lost here. You know what I mean? Like the best deal for the players is clearly NBA players. It is also not lost that they, their players association and the league are able to work together much better than the NFL and major league baseball and their players association. They, they all end up hating each other every time. I would, I would love to see if for one year or in some alternate universe somewhere out there, the NBA with no salary cap because it is the most fascinating sport to see how superstars would get paid because they have the biggest impact other than maybe quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, Uh, but I will say this, Bob, we've moved a lot closer to that. We really have. We're a lot more. When you look at a lot of these teams, the guys that make a ton of money and then the guys that don't make that much money, those middle ground contracts are a lot more hard to find. And that's why, that's why you always hear Marcus Smart's name came up in trades all the time because you need guys like Marcus Smart to make trades work. There's not a lot of guys in in that 10 to 15. It's kind of the haves and have nots. You got a lot of 30 millions and a lot of 2 millions on these teams. You're right. Those deals have kind of faded away. Yeah, I think you're right. But like Mike Trout makes 45 million a year, average annual value or whatever. He should be making based on his baseball value, like 70. So I think someone would actually pay that for NBA stars because there is so much more of a respect for what well, one superstar can do in that sport in terms of translating to winning, translating to titles. So like Giannis would get his actual value, but Mike Trout is not getting his actual value. Mike Trout had one shit. But how is he supposed to win shit? He's the only guy. <laughs> you want to pay him more? <laughs> like, we got to have the rest of the team. Hey, at least they're on the right track by hiring Joe Madden. I'll give him that. Right. And he's probably making that up with his big endorsement with Super Pretzel. <laughs> I swear to God, it's the funniest thing ever. You guys know what Super Pretzels are? Those things you get at the grocery store. I got my kids love pretzels. I bought a box of Super Pretzels. Mike Trout's on the friggin'. That's the only time I've ever seen an endorsement that he does. I think he does Powerade too. He's like Powerade. The best, he's like the best Armour. baseball player in the world. And I see him on a box of Super Pretzels. And that's the only time I ever see him. I mean, my, everybody recognizes Mike Trout as one of the best, greatest baseball ever. players ever. Yeah. However, it, it, when it comes to stardom, you know, in relation to ability, there seems to be the greatest difference with Mike Trout than any athlete that I can remember, right? Any, anybody in the history of sports. Nobody has been better and less well-known than Mike yeah. Trout. That's what I would argue. Oh, Mike Trout could walk down any city in America and there would be there'd be a couple of baseball fans here and there that recognize him, but he could go out in public in non-baseball cities and not be hassled with. Yeah. I mean, this For is sure. such a fraught conversation that we in the baseball world have all the time about how could you make Mike Trout more famous? But like at the end of the day, it's a regional sport. Guess what? The NBA is a mm-hmm. national sport. The NFL is a national sport. Baseball is a regional sport. 
Like, I don't mm-hmm. think Mike Trout walks around Anaheim and goes to the in and out with like a hat on and doesn't get recognized. But like, yeah, I also don't think he wants to be that famous. Oh, he's but an interesting case. I mean, the way you make him more famous is put him on the Yankees or the Red Sox or one of these teams. That's how you do it. I mean, that's true. And, the hey, most I famous him, baseball player right now is Aaron Judge. Yeah, right. Put him on after. Uh, you know, how about his games are on sometimes before everybody's asleep. In the rest in a of the way, country, you know, know? in, in a way, Mike LeBron. Trout has. Mike Trout has the Kawhi's personality in the sense that he doesn't want to be famous. But we do see whether it's Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City or now Zion in New Orleans that certain players in small markets or smaller markets can still have that national level of stardom and recognition that some guys don't want to have because they don't want to have it. Like Kawhi didn't in San Antonio and still doesn't now with the Clippers for that matter. You know what's crazy? And I saw him during this quarantine. I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was like a Nike thing. Maybe it's Brooks Kepka or somebody like that. Did like a quarantine interview with Trout that I watched. He was not an uninteresting interview. Like, I mean, no, he's not I remember by any means. Saying Max Scherzer was like the filthiest pitcher he ever faced in his life. Like his answers were all, you know, good answers that I was interested in. And I was like, geez, this is like the best Mike Trout interview I've seen. And then I come to think of it, it might be the only one I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> not on. Dude right, just wants to play baseball and fish. All right, let's move on. Okay, we got a question from Jay. Here in Ontario, COVID is nearly snuffed out. If the trend continues into next year and there are a very limited number of cases, if any, could you see the NBA letting the Raptors having fans in the arena while other teams cannot? Stretching it out to other regions, if an area has zero cases, would the NBA allow fans in a case-by-case basis depending on the city? And then a follow-up, if so, what kind of advantage would that give the home team? I imagine playing in empty arenas everywhere, then all of a sudden having 10,000 people in the next arena would throw off a visiting team quite a bit. In that same Bon Temps Windhorse article, uh, which we talked about a little bit earlier, they did have something in there about arenas and uh, allowing fans. And the belief is, according to sources, they said in a recent meeting with team presidents, Deputy Commissioner Mark Tatum shared that the NBA's current plan is to allow local governments to regulate crowds at sporting events. That opens the possibility that revenue could be disproportionately influenced by the policy views of politicians. End quote from the article. Yeah, I think um, it's safer to have a blanket policy. Don't you? I, I do. I, I, yeah. But I also like, you know, in relation to the question, like if theoretically Toronto has no cases. Let's say all. Let's just say this is not going to happen. Let's say all of Canada has zero cases of coronavirus come next season. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Toronto could play games. I mean, they they could play games just like we saw New Zealand hosted sporting events too. But the problem is, and this is uh, again the issue here, and why it's probably easier to have the blanket issue, uh, the blanket solution, like you said, Chris. You're were, were you flying players to Toronto and can, you know theoretically a player could have it and like the, a fan could get it affected. I don't know. I mean, like it. Well, here's it, what I'm telling you: we don't even know what next season is going to look like. Are they going to have to do another bubble next year? I don't know. The other thing is in some in some place like Toronto, which is a massive North American city, the econ- the economy is not greatly affected by the, those teams. You know, play right. There are people that have those jobs. There are people. Uh, there are businesses within the district that certainly depend on that is nothing like i tell you this as someone who's in a small market there'd be so much more pressure for a team like the grizzlies or i've been to oklahoma city the thunder new orleans i've been to new orleans smoothie king center it's right downtown i mean there are a lot of businesses that it would certainly be especially the smaller the city the more times people that own the restaurants or own the businesses or whatever are people of great influence right and those it will affect the economy in a massive way if there are fans in the stands in those smaller markets more so than in the bigger markets and that would be to me that would be the scary part because what you would see is you would see a lot of you would see a lot of smaller markets be much more likely to say we're okay with having fans in the stands because they know how many people are employed how many people are employed at the restaurants where everybody is going before and after games or the bars where people are going before and after games? I mean, it does have a massive impact on the economy in small markets. I don't, I don't, and, and, and so I think you could make foolish decisions based upon that, right? As we, we have sure. with this country made foolish decisions based upon that, right? Mm-hmm. Saying, hey, we don't want to lose this, 
you know, like we can't just shut everything down. We can't have places, everybody filing for unemployment. Like we got to get back to doing something. And we felt that pressure too. And now we've gone the wrong direction again. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you don't want to be in that business if you're the NBA. I agree with you, and this makes me think about an, another fantastic article this week by Tom Haverstrow at NBC Sports. He wrote about the NBA's testing procedures down in Florida. Um, uh, they're using this lab called, I think, BioReference, and the NBA and MLS are both using that line and using that lab, and they're at the front of the line. You know, They're getting their tests back within a day. However, like reading the local news down in Florida... Um, People that are their tests are being sent to bioreference are experiencing delays Interesting. and getting their test results back. And that raises, you know, the ethical questions about like, should sports leagues be getting their testing back before, you know, regular people? There's one story about like a 74 year old cancer survivor that had to wait like five, six, seven days to get their test back. Um, and by that point, like the test results really aren't that valuable considering the amount of time that passed. And, you know, I'm, when it comes to what you just said, I, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, also a, an article I wrote a couple months back about the NBA's testing protocols and like it's coming back now about like the, the, how ethical it is for them to do testing. It's just infuriating that we're still at this point without enough testing. Again, so that, that's also another failure of the government to still not have enough testing. We're testing a lot. We're testing millions and millions of, you know, of people. However, there needs to be even more testing and there can't be delays in having a testing response. And, you know, when I was reporting that story out, one of the people I talked to, you know, a doctor from a potential a place that the NBA had considered for testing, he said to me that the way they envision future sporting events looking is that you pay an extra amount of money to receive a test that could like be your ticket to going. And I don't, think that would necessarily be an ethical thing to do either and i'm also not sure how exactly that would work do you show up the morning of do you show up the day before i just it doesn't seem realistic to me but that's just something i'm only saying that to say that is something that people have thought about as a way to get people back to events back to churches whatever it might be and to me that seems like a band-aid solution for the problem that we're all facing and uh, like what we're in right now man I, I have a hard time envisioning like sporting events with fans or concerts or anything like that for a long time, man, like until late next year. And that, that's hard to accept, but it's just, just, it's, it's just to, what it's, I see happening. Oh, it's got, it, it's gotten to the point where I just get down on my hands and knees and I pray to God that somebody comes up with a vaccine. That's the, that's where I'm at. I mean, I just pray somebody, I know that it's probably a long shot, but that I wake up one morning and there's, they found a vaccine. Yeah. Getting us to act but, right on our own as a country seems unfortunately implausible now. Yeah. And, and, and not just a vaccine, but a vaccine that's like, you know, at least 99% effective and, and, and a vaccine. That, and I know and, I get it. Yeah. And a vaccine that even anti-vaxxers are, are ready to take, <laughs> I know. which is I a know. whole other issue that's going to come up. When, uh, I mean, uh. Uh, it's it's I don't, uh, I don't know man uh, all right let's get to more fun yeah. stuff bobby yeah. I don't, more I don't fun know. stuff bobby fun stuff <laughs> give us a fun one all right we got a good question here this is from jake which x-factor players are we not discussing enough that have potential for major impact in the bubble postseason okay that's a good question brandon brandon clark no I'm just, stop just how kidding. dare you I'm kidding I love he's an X Factor. Why don't I don't, why, why, I don't maybe you should say Zion, Kev. Have you talked about him enough? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, quick aside, uh, we also got a question. Uh, I got to pull up your name. I'm sorry, but we got a question. Someone saying they're disappointed that Zion got the cover of NBA 2K and not yeah, Luca, who's question. already an MVP candidate, right? And, ah. and it just it's like a good point. Like it seems to me that NBA 2K uh that they have found their their golden boy, Zion uh, Williamson. Well, it's a little it, more it, exciting it, it, to put the dunk on the cover rather than like the step back well, three that's lightly <laughs> contested. <laughs> How well, about, Arden, was, a, I, Arden was on the I cover recently. Hey, here's what I'll say. Is that what it took? It took the 2K thing, not them being on national TV 30 friggin' times, even though he wasn't even playing. Not him, <laughs> not them scheduling him literally opening night of when the league comes back. Like they scheduled him the night he comes back. You think they got some stock in Zion? I mean, come on. 
Hey, and let me tell you this. As someone who has a 10-year-old, they, of course, they all, you know, they like Luca, but Luca's just like any of the other stars. Yeah. Dion is a godlike figure to every little kid. He is. By the way, that that, that question was from Alex. Um, I I hope Luca's on a cover for you eventually someday, Alex. In in terms of uh, X factors. I'm going to give you one. Yeah. And this guy made the all-star team, so it might not be fair. But I say Bam Adebayo, and this is why. The reason is because Bam Adebayo obviously got his accolades this year for the first time. He was a big breakthrough player within the NBA, okay? When you have to deal with the big men that you're going to have to deal with in the Eastern Conference, and I am a massive Jimmy Butler fan, and I think Butler is the kind of guy that you want in your foxhole come playoff time and could maybe be the best player on a team throughout the series. I think about, okay, who's running with him? And uh, you're going to have to get some contributions from guys that don't have a ton of logged NBA minutes, like Tyler Hero, like uh, Duncan Robinson, like Kendrick Nunn, these kind of guys. But I look at it and say, if Adebayo can be that dominant force, then all of a sudden, that Miami team, I look at them, filled with dogs because they got Jay Crowder. They got, you know, the, obviously we'll see what Iguodala looks like when they come back. But I mean, they've got a roster of a lot of rough and tumble guys. I think they're playoff built. I do. And so if I think Butler's your alpha, your one, a, then who's that, who's that guy next to him to me out of bio. I think that could, I think that could flip the Eastern conference. I, I would not be shocked at all to see Miami in the Eastern conference finals. And he's a guy go that could with, punish a good team like the Celtics and slow down maybe like an MB or a Marcus Gasol or Siakam, you know? I love Bam, and I'm glad you brought him up. I'm going to go with uh, two other bigs. And again, this is for, for Alex De La Cruz, yeah. who asked the question about the NBA 2K cover. Uh, Maxi Kleba and Dwight Powell on the Dallas Mavericks. You got Powell coming back, one of the league's best lob threats. Yep. Solid defender, good overall player. Kleba, who can shoot threes for you. A versatile defender with size. You look at Dallas, and I mean, if you're thinking about championship sleepers, it's hard not to think about Dallas. Luka, top five player this season. KP, if he's able to stay healthy and be KP at his best. They have some good role players in depth. They have Rick Carlisle, a head coach, a proven head coach with experience and a really great system. I wouldn't pick Dallas to win it all. I mean, I'm picking the Lakers because they have LeBron James and AD, but if you're thinking sleepers, Dallas has a shot. Usually usually teams really have to take their lumps, though. And Dallas, this will be their first go-through. Usually, usually, but but, but Luka is not a usual player, though. I know, but Kevin, it it will be a different deal for him when a team decides we are going to make his life hell and make Porzingis beat him. I promise you that will be a storyline. Oh God, they're going to get the ball out of his hand. I agree. I agree with you. I agree. And, and and that's something I've been thinking about because next, next week's video of the restart is about championship sleepers. So I've been doing research ahead of time about Dallas. And like, I was thinking about Luca, they're going to get the ball out of his hands, but the Mavericks do do a lot off the ball with Luca that they could just start doing more often. And, and I do think there's more that they can do that they don't do right now, using Luca as an, as an on-ball screener. Imagine Luca getting the ball on the short roll. He can score with skill. He could find somebody to pass the ball to. He's like a, a better Draymond Green on the short roll. He doesn't have a Steph Curry to run that pick and roll as a ball handler, but he has his brother, <laughs> Seth Curry. So, <laughs> I mean, like it could be something that Dallas incorporates. Never mind the fact that you do have other good players that can get a bucket for you, whether it's KP or even Tim Hardaway. Dallas, like they're going to have to adjust, but I'm, I'm very excited to see how Carlisle adapts in that postseason setting because I, I I'm willing to bet that we're going to see Luca take those lumps that you're mentioning, but I would also bet that we're going to see a, a, a new dimensions to Luca's game that he hasn't had to show very consistently because of the fact he's so dominant with the ball in his hands. But he could, he's also dominant without the ball in his hands, too, is my point. The other one that I mentioned, I said, bam, so that's the East. In the West, I'd say the two guards at Oklahoma City, Shea Gilgis and, uh, and Schroeder. Wow, that's good. I mean, because when good. those guys... 
that that small ball thing with the three ball handlers, that has been a bitch to deal with. And Paul was the – I mean, he was right there at the top of the league in clutch performances and clutch players this season. And come playoff time, so many of these games come down to the end. They've had really good games against the best teams. I think they're – I don't know if they'll – if they'll knock somebody really good off, but I think they'll put the fear of God into somebody really good. I do. I think that like we'll be six, seven games for sure in series against Oklahoma city. Um, and Gil just, you know, he's just a, he's a do everything. He really is. He is awesome. Awesome. I'm so glad you guys brought up Dallas and your answers here. And, and so is Cole who wrote in our next question. Five minutes of Dallas talk. This is going to be, and you guys didn't mention this guy. This is going to be tough for Cole. You have your respective islands for players that you think have been given up on, but could have some talent left. Do you think Michael Kidd Gilchrist has anyone on his island other than myself? He hadn't done much for the Mavs after being acquired, but I'm imagining a five with him, Luca, Kristaps, Steph, uh, Seth Curry, and Maxi Kleber, where he could be a defensive menace against the best wings while finishing easy baskets generated from Luca and the elite floor spacing around him. He he he, sh- he shot fourteen percent in his nine games with Dallas. <laughs> one for <laughs> one for seven from the floor. Oh, oh from three from three. I'm sorry, but Cole, but hey, <laughs> yeah. absolutely <Cole>. devastating <laughs> for Cole. You're, you're Tom Hanks and Castaway yeah, with, with seven a minutes, Gilker's bobblehead. Seven <laughs> minutes of Dallas talk, not one mention of MKG. <laughs> oh. Look, man, I, 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 if Kid Gilchrist had a jump shot, I, I would believe in him. It's just, this defense, is a guy, look, but, you know, I love these kind of guys. Mm. But I freely admit, the game passed them by. And when you get to the playoffs, you're dead when you're playing a guy that literally can't score. He's not a mega athlete, you know, and like you, you talk about like finishing and like cutting and whatever, like a lot of those guys, um, they, they, you know, if you don't respect them shooting from the outside or you don't even put somebody on them, then that's what they do. And a lot of those times, those guys are like really good athletes at, at doing what they do. Kick Hillcrest is not a, a great athlete. And he is also, I mean, you're playing four on five. You just are. And that that destroys you in the playoffs. It does. And so I I would love for we, we talked about how the game passes you by. We talked about Hibbert. We talked about uh Bray Monroe, these kind of guys. It happened with Gilchrist too. It went the wrong way. Guys like him were very valuable 15 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. But now they just, you know, teams make you pay so much for having him out there. Sorry, Cole. Tough for Cole. <laughs> You're the last one. You really are. Have a good weekend, Cole. I would, uh, <laughs> I'm the kind of guy that would have been on your side, but I I mean, good grief. You see that shot? Yeah. God, it's the ugliest <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It looks like when, I don't know if you ever saw, are you too, uh, are you too young for Saved by kinda, the Bell? It really hurts. You, I've, never, I've never done the Kid Gil. I'm doing the, Kid girl crush jumper are, motion that hurts. Are you are you too to young? Are, are you too young for Saved by the Bell or no? I never watched. Okay, it look, there's a character on there, Screech. It looked like when Screech was trying to fight somebody. That's what it looks like when Kid girl crush shoots. Should I insert a laugh track into this show just because Kevin no. and I don't know what you're referencing? Don't. <laughs> yeah, you should. Please, Bobby. <laughs> Hopefully, there's somebody my age that caught it. He would okay. put his hand. Hey, I'll show you guys on the video. This is what he would do. Screech, this is how he would fight. So he, he was getting bullied, right? He was going to fight, and he put his hand in front of his face and went like this. <laughs> and that's how he was punching. <laughs> What? Yeah, so he wouldn't get hit in the face. Oh so that's what he'd do. He'd put his arm through there. Oh that's what God. it looks like with Kid Gilchrist trying to shoot. Okay. Uh, I'm going to watch a video over this afterwards. One final question. This is a fun one. I'm glad you guys asked for fun ones. This one comes from Jonathan. Speaking of Zion. Who would win in a three-on-one basketball game with Chris, Kevin, and Bobby versus Zion? What? We would get destroyed. Yeah, we'd get, it wouldn't matter <laughs> if if Zion has anybody else. What's the strategy? Yeah, what do we do, guys? Let's game. Let's game right, plan. How about here. this? How about this? I'm going to go a step further. I'll, I'll I'll help this guy's question. Zion versus any ten people from the ringer. Besides uh, once, JJ Redick. 
And so I, JJ doesn't count. No current NBA count. players, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Vince Carter. Shout out to Vince. <laughs> Vince Carter. Vince He's either. retired yeah, technically, yeah. so that's right. Yeah, get yeah, exactly. Team. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> what are you talking about? We would ne- like, like. We might not score a bucket unless we hit even, a jumper. Even if we, we, we would have to like pass the ball around the perimeter, right? Yeah. Well, no. It was possible that we could score. We would not score much, but it is possible yeah. because there's three of us. We would never stop him. Absolutely ever. not. No. no. It'd be, it'd, we'd all be like hanging <laughs> off his ankles. <laughs> Nor would I try. I don't get paid no. enough to try to stop Zion Williamson from scoring a bucket just because I'm the producer of the mismatch. <laughs> it's like those things, like you remember when people used to say like, uh, oh, let me think of somebody that was like punishing, like like Garrett Blunt, right? And they'd say like, what would it, what would I have to pay you to stand in front of that? Right. He gets a handoff and it's you and him and he's going to go to the goal line. Derrick like Henry. No, like that's really, Oh yeah. Derrick Henry. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. You know, um, that's how it would feel. If, if I saw Zion coming at me, like I don't even have pads <laughs> on, on a basketball court. Like, he, could, <laughs> he could maim you. You know what I mean? Like it's like Jerome Bennis at the goal line. Yes. It just, yeah, no, I, I, we would get, not only would we get destroyed, we would get hurt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this whole conversation is for not if none of our listeners Photoshop us three onto the cover of 2K getting dunked on by Zion. I would like that. I, I, I would love that. <laughs> I would print that out. Even though they have you download games these days, I sound like a geezer. I get, getting my Xbox a couple months ago, you know, you download games, you don't have, you don't have the little disc anymore. I'm gonna say CDs. You know what really made you sound like a geezer? Saying the word geezer. (laughs) Why? I haven't heard that in 20 years. And I'm the geezer. Who says geezer? That old geezer. (laughs) Sounds like something I'd hear on the Andy Griffith show or something. Oh, he's just an old geezer. Doesn't Google have like a like a frequency of word usage and I don't know. American or British. Nobody English. says geezer. I want, I want to look up how often geezers use. Leave it to <laughs> Kevin to make this an analytics argument. What is it like? Doesn't Google have a thing that geezer is said one for one for every five million conversations? Dude, nobody says geezer anymore. Well, Except you. If you say hey, so. Bring it back. Bring it back, Kev. I brought some back. I brought good, good grief words. back. I brought goofy yeah, back. Yeah. I bring good words. back. Bring them back. I brought rat team back. I bring them back. So yeah, okay, you're you're full of it. No, full you're full of it. Of it. What are you talking use about? Over, use over time according to Google. It's <laughs> at a peak right now. It's at a peak. <laughs> It's at its peak. No, it's not. There's a, there's a, yeah, it is. What, because of coronavirus? I'm going to send you a link right here. No. Putting in, putting in our Zoom chat. Hey, Google. Ah, that's a horrible looking link. Let me get a Google link shortener. What a nerd I I'm sound not like reading right that now. crap. I don't believe you. Eh, give, give me a second. Time- this dude, he really is bringing up stats on us, Bobby. This is some <laughs> bullshit. You got to be kidding me. You have got a dude. What? I'm going to take it. I'm going to take a screenshot. No. I, I, know, have, I, anec- to, I have I anecdotal to, evidence. I know in every to, conversation <laughs> I've ever had in the last 20 years, no one's used the term. Look at the screenshot I just sent you guys. No, I'm not looking at it. Open that up. That, no. Look at that. Look at that. What's it from? Use over time. Geezer on Google. Nerdtalk.com. It's a huge, huge upward, tw- upward trend since like the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> What are we measuring here, though, Kev? Like, is this like Google hits over time? Because <laughs> no, like, there's just bro, way more people know. using Google. For all of our for all for all of our listeners overseas who are going to say, I use geezer all the time. You know, I, I'm sorry. In this case, don't don't tweet yeah. me if you live in New Zealand, Australia or Great Britain. Only Americans. Okay. It, here, here we go. So that's where they this say is, it. This is. This is from Google Books. Google oh, Books searches every book that they have from 1800 to 2008. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> 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 
That's like me saying wanker. You'd be Hi, like, let me search. Let me search. Let me. I can search for American English too. Let me search oh, for God. American English. No, same thing. Look, <laughs> the King James version. This is too good. Uh, <laughs> I'm done with this show. This show sucks. <laughs> thank, okay, okay, geezer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks as always for listening to another episode of Mismatch. Bobby Wagner, our all-star producer, Kevin O'Connor. I will talk to you on Tuesday. Looking forward to it. Have a good weekend, everybody. 